Blondes with glasses, they can't sing. Blondes with glasses, let's do this podcast thing. Hi, Shannon. Hi, <laughs> Mine actually paused for a really long time before it started, so. Oh, yeah. okay. I was like, I gave you the thumbs up, and I thought, oh. oh. I was just looking at, at my garage, but I didn't even have your face here. Okay. Oh. There's your face. Hello. Great. Hello. <laughs> we always start in just the classiest of ways, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? It makes me smile because I don't know if we've... I think we've talked about this before, but we are frequent listeners to our own show. (laughs) And today I walked to town to go get some groceries and I was uh, listening to our show and I was just smiling to myself at all of our antics. It was great. So I hope hope we make somebody else smile too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know Julie likes it and I know Zach likes it. And he, he he sent us a pun this week and I haven't listened to it yet. So I'm excited. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I can't wait. Well, um, first of all, can I tell you about how I was almost poached by another dog walking company? Ooh, headhunters. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. It was like I was going to my client's uh, apartment complex. I'm cat sitting there. And mm-hmm. I walk in and there's two people with these t- like bright red t-shirts that say like puppy love on it. <laughs> and uh, I walk in, and they're and uh, they're waiting for the key for another apartment. And I say to the lady, like I'm cat sitting in this apartment, and they, um, the woman immediately turns to me with this like huge smile, pulls out a business card, is <laughs> like, I don't know if you're like a freelancer or if you're looking to for anything. And I was like, I actually work for Fetch. She was like, well, you know, options are great. Options are always good. You know, here you go. We have t-shirts. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, my God. We end up in the same elevator together. And she's like, so you don't have a t-shirt for your company? And I was like, no, I have one, but it's like a size too big. And I don't want to wear it every day. And yeah. for like a 15-minute cat visit. Like, that's dumb. <laughs> so she was like, oh, well, we you gotta have multiple shirts and you they gotta fit you like that's ridiculous and then as as we're parting ways on the same floor because of course we're happy to go to the same floor she's mm-hmm. like oh what's the cat's name you're taking care of oh say hi to blank for me and i'm oh. like okay and then as i'm walking down the hall i hear her telling the guy now remember you gotta say puppy love as we enter the door so they open up the door and they go puppy love <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I was briefly thinking, like, I wonder if you pay more than half to your walkers instead of my company, uh-huh. which pays me less than half. Like, yeah. I wonder. And then they were like, puppy love. And I was like, never mind, uh, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but really, would they know if you didn't do that? No, they would also, like, she doesn't know if I'm good at my job. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was so weird that she was immediately like, Here's my card. <laughs> <laughs> well, she probably gets like something if she refers, if she finds somebody to refer. Yeah. It was like, just as a worker. Aggressive marketing and just like in general their their presence in the room was so felt like yeah. they were literally saying hello to every maintenance worker that was like behind the desk Ugh. getting stuff and they're like you're James, I'm blank, you're blah blah. I'm blank. and it was like uh- <laughs> okay, like, you'll maybe see that maintenance worker, like, two more times this year. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> because, and you, like, 
it's the woman at the front desk who you'll see like every day she's the same person like I understand having a relationship with her and like I know her mm-hmm. and everything but it was just like and it was immediately like they had to introduce themselves to me they was just anyone who walked in the door hello how are you because they're wearing their t-shirts <laughs> so yeah. it's like so that's honestly that's a lot of the reason why I don't wear the t-shirt whenever mm-hmm. I work because what if the dog is acting crazy that day or something and I'm wearing yeah. this branded shirt that's like Check this company out. <laughs> this dog's <laughs> shitting on the sidewalk. That's very true. That's a great point because, like, that's why we weren't allowed to have pictures on Facebook of us, us in our uniforms when I went to high school. Mm-hmm. It was like they never wanted us to be marketing the school. Oh, online. interesting. Stuff like that. You know, it, it does get back to you. Like, I know somebody that worked for City Year in Boston, and she had, like, there were all these rules for them because when they were in their uniform, they were like at work even if they weren't at work so if she was riding the subway and somebody came onto the subway she had to give up her seat wow like, rule <laughs> it's wow. just like just because you're wearing an outfit means you have to act completely differently right you have to represent that company yeah yeah that seems like a lot of work <laughs> yeah so i literally like never wear that shirt because i've i've been with my boss who uh, like he'll be like i'll be taking over a dog from from him and we'll have that one time where we'll take the dog out together and he's wearing his, he's wearing all of his he's got 40 different fetch shirts he's got a polo and a baseball tee and all that <laughs> stuff and I have one and literally I just watch him like he's he's just like he interacts with other people with their dogs and he goes oh you know this is just sort of what we do here at the company and whatever and he's like basically mm-hmm. like constantly selling the company to people and it's like Am I supposed to be doing that? Am I supposed to have, like, business cards in my back pocket just in case someone asks? Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Just... If it's not part of your job description, you don't have to do yeah. it. But this is basically a very long ad for Fetch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, oh, God. Yeah. But I was talking to Jules the other day. I was thinking if I was a really unethical person, I could poach all of my irregular clients and have them pay me under the cash under the table and not tell Fetch about it. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not that I'm not that person. But I was just thinking, like, how many of my clients would be more loyal to me than to the company? It's so interesting to think about. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be something about like the ease of of doing it through a company. Like, so if you can't do it, yeah. there's somebody that's a backup and all that. Yeah, exactly. All that jazz. And they have like liability and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Well. Our topic for today, mm-hmm. oh, well, we should say we're no longer in the same room. We had two episodes, oh, yes. we had a two-episode streak where we were in the same room. <laughs> that, that streak is over. That streak will be over for probably nine months. <laughs> yep, <laughs> because I'm pregnant and I was shipped off of the <laughs> continent. No, <laughs> just kidding. I am not. <laughs> I mean, you come from a very Catholic family, so you could just yep. be off Send in Ireland, a... supposedly. Exactly. And you come back and you just depressed all the time. I'm actually just in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm back in Ireland. Uh, tomorrow is my first day of school. I'm so excited. Oh, 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 oh. Very exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, yeah, so I'll be here for the next nine months learning things and getting a degree and I'm very far from you and we're back on our five hour difference and it's Yeah, hard. it's like I always forget it, and then every morning I'll get a text now that's, like, sent to you at 8 a.m. from Shannon. <laughs> like, just think, like, I'm watching this show, and I'm thinking this thought, and it's like, what are you doing at 8 a.m. thinking that? Like, <laughs> oh, right. 
that's the earliest I feel like I can text you because I don't use do not disturb. So I'm always like, oh, oh if it's 6 a.m. Oh, God, I'm so gonna... sorry. I've been thinking the past couple days, oh, I was like, Shannon has to do not disturb. So I can text her whenever. Yeah, I, I thought about it the other day. I was like, maybe I should put do not disturb on. But at the same time, I'm really wary of it because I worry that it's going to like somehow set up, like turn off my alarm or something and oh. I'll never wake up. Well, I know that's not true because I set my alarm every day. I like I don't even use the app in the phone or whatever. So I was really scared that like my alarm clock yeah. app wasn't going to work. But it does. I'll have to test it on the weekend or something. It's just, but. yeah, it just keeps you from getting, like, texts and phone calls. And you can still say, like, if your favorites call you, you can, mm-hmm. they can, it'll know. Well, you're in my favorites, so what if you call me? <laughs> that means something is gravely wrong. That's like, true. Like, so you should pick up the phone. Like, yeah. I got a phone call last night, but it was while I had the Do Not Disturb. It was, like, ten minutes after the Do Not Disturb started. It was mm-hmm. a call from Amelia... And I was like, oh, my God, Catherine's dead. Like, something <laughs> has happened. Like, you don't get phone calls from your friends unless you know that they're meeting you someplace and they can't find right. you or something. Like, yeah. so, like, at 1040 at night getting a phone call from a friend is like, somebody's died. Like, something's happened. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out Catherine got in a bike accident. I don't Ooh. know how bad it is. Um, but they were like, they, they she ended up texting me. It was like, I found someone to to walk the dog tomorrow but we'll let you know if we need your help and I was like okay great but but like it was like I saw that someone called and I was like someone is something is terribly wrong. something's wrong yeah <laughs> yeah it's so true it is so true yeah although I'm glad I have a official phone carrier now yes. so I can receive your texts whenever I have service although I will say you are the only person I text in America that doesn't have whatsapp I mean, so you should get I can the get program. that, that's fine, <laughs> but we have iMessage, so it's basically the same thing, right? I guess, it's just that I have to move between two apps, because I text you, and then I text my dad in a different app, and all that, so oh. it's it's fine, it's fine. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I can switch, oh. that's fine. You have that it. That means that I'll have to switch between the two apps. I know. I mean, the you have it, that's the thing, because you're in my WhatsApp phone book and it was like oh yeah i had we, it for like three days and then i took it off my phone yeah last year yeah it's fine yeah sorry <laughs> it's okay <laughs> so our topic today was inspired by tumblr i think because i mentioned it to you that mm-hmm. sister act two back in the habit which we have definitely talked about before yes. on the show uh only has a seven percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Which is a travesty, because yeah, I have said because on the record on this podcast that Sister yeah. Act 2 is a superior movie to Sister Act 1, which is a I fantastic don't agree. movie. I don't agree, but I understand where you're coming from, because Perry feels the same way, so... Um, yeah, so it it is a travesty, and also I looked at it today, and it's 61% of audience viewers like it. I don't know what that other number is actually, but it's like 7% Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. and then the audience thing so, is... Yeah, so it's like critics versus audience. Audience, yeah. yeah. So that's at 61%, which is much better than 7%. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Aud- yeah, audience in general tend to be a lot kinder than critics. Yes. Yeah. Well, so it's a travesty, you're right, because mm-hmm. even though it's not my favorite of the two, it's not... Seven percent. No, especially it's since the great. The, it's like it's one thing if it's seven percent and the first one was like ten percent or something. Right. But the first one 
Isn't it like in the 80s or something? Yeah, it's very high. Yeah. Very high. It's like, as it should be. But like, so many of the movies that I was thinking of when I was thinking of, and then like searching what, what their Rotten Tomatoes score was or whatever, so mm-hmm. many of them, the reviews and the consensus was, it was like, it's just so formulaic or whatever, or right. something like that. And it's just, that can be great. Like that can be thoroughly enjoyable having a yeah. formulaic movie. I mean, there are other times, I, it just, it so depends on context, and it was so hard for me to think about this topic and, like, divorcing the idea of taste versus quality. Mm-hmm. Like, what I like is definitely different from what other people like, and so that's why it's so difficult. Like, the idea of critics is so complicated, <laughs> you know? It is. Yeah, so our topic is about like criticism of films and TV and critics and I guess just the whole sort of idea of what happens when you like something that other people don't like, mm-hmm. right? Sort of what we're talking about. Yeah. Or I got really into it because I was like, I'm just going to look up every movie I have here <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes and see what other people think because I don't use Rotten Tomatoes. The first time I ever heard about it was from you, I think, uh-huh. and you were like, "Let me check it." And I was like, Check what? <laughs> and, like, I don't understand the IMDb rating system or everything or, 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 like, their top 250 or when somebody's on the rise. I don't pay attention to any of that. The only thing I used to do critics-wise was I used to read People Magazine and Entertainment <laughs> Weekly every week when I was, like, in high school and through some of college, too. And I was always like, ooh, let me read the review of the newest movie coming out. And eventually I was like, I have to stop doing that because I take things way too personally. <laughs> When a critic says something, I'm like, I'll never forget it. <laughs> and there are so many movies that I, I still carry the reviews with me because I when I watch them. Because I'm like, uh, Roger Ebert didn't like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they point out a flaw and I'm like, oh, I wish I hadn't known that because now I'll never unsee it. Mm-hmm. So... But it's also, yeah. it also could be a way for you to, like, you did see the flaw, but you couldn't put a name to it. You know, you couldn't mm-hmm. figure out why that bothered you. And if you read yeah. a review that said, like, this is why this should bother you, you'd be like, oh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it means you see it all the time, and you can't unsee it. And then when other people talk about that movie, and they're like, I loved it 100%, like, it's the greatest thing ever, you want to be like, what about that? Like yeah. that I can now yeah. articulate to you, <laughs> you know. Well, the I think that's something that was like my. This all boils down to the fact that made like major critics in newspapers and online and stuff usually don't address the things that I would like a critic to address. Mm-hmm. The the things that I like more now are things like oh my little thing just paused. Oh, Sorry. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Well, I'm okay. going to keep recording. <laughs> okay, me too. I, there's just like a weird, very weird squiggle in the middle there. <laughs> it's still squiggle. recording. Um, yeah, it's it just like my computer froze for a second. And there was like a, I bet if you listen to it, it's just like me going, uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So the the thing that I enjoy more now is like feminist Whovian. Right. And things like that where it's intertextualizing is that a word sure yeah (laughs) like you're taking what you know as as yourself like a a feminist somebody who has a a deeper 
understanding of things and you're applying that to what you're watching. Mm-hmm. So it's, and when other people do that, it's great because you realize you're not alone. Yeah. That's the reviews I'd rather read rather than, I don't know if I like this actor in this role right. because I can make that op- opinion on my own. I don't need somebody to tell me if Channing Tatum is right for step up, you know, right. obviously <laughs> he's right for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sort of brings about the idea that like, there's just different, almost standards or different like ways of looking at certain films and others, and they it's very almost impossible to compare the two, you know like that's true. The 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 standard that you look at Age of Ultron, you know, and like Jurassic World versus mm-hmm. what you look at for I was thinking I looked up some of my absolute favorite movies like Imagine Me and You, which got thirty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> And, like, the idea that, like, that, like, yes, compared to the pantheon of rom-coms or whatever, mm-hmm. they're like, it's just boring and formulaic or whatever, standard rom-com. It's like, that's a huge deal in the context yeah. of lesbian movies and the fact that oh, yeah. they both survived and had a happy ending and it was a formulaic rom-com that everyone else has dozens and dozens of. Right. Like, that's huge, and it was thoroughly enjoyable and a delightful film, and yet mm-hmm. critically, you know, it's just, oh, just, just dismiss it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I just think, it's just very interesting, the, the context of the films, you know, Age of Ultron almost should be held to a higher standard because you know it's going to have a massive reach. It's going mm-hmm. to, millions and millions and millions of people are going to see this movie, and you have yeah. to look at what the bar has been set at with previous superhero movies or whatever. And in my mind, Winter Soldier, Captain America Winter Soldier, set the bar a little higher for, mm-hmm. for these huge movies. And there's almost an, an more responsibility for a movie that's going to be seen by that many people that it should be better than enjoyable, than better than just yeah. passable. And not to mention the fact that the budget on a movie like that is so mm. many times over the budget of a movie like Imagine Me and You. Right. When, when you are investing that much money and people into that product and, like, all... They just devote so much to big blockbusters nowadays. It's incredible to think, like, oh, well, it's actually, if you look at it, really, it's just, like, a kind of, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. meh movie. Mm-hmm. But it's great because it's a shared thing, because everybody goes to see it. And the first Avengers movie was fantastic, I think, because it did follow, like, more of a comic book sort of flavor of, like, the whole... You have the one villain, and you, you're assembling the team, and it, it felt like it was one, one long comic. Right. But the second movie was like, here's a whole bunch of bad people, here's some new characters... You can't tell the difference between any of them. (laughs) They're all sort of the Vision and Ultron and who are these people? And there was not a real ending. And you can tell it's just the stepping stone for the next one. And you just have to see it to get to the next one. And you're now in so deep that you have to see it anyway. And just, and there's no characterization thought like into every person that you're adding or everybody on the team. And in the end, you're like, well, I didn't like it, but... I needed to see it because I would have been peer pressured to see it by everybody I know. (laughs) Right. And then 74% of critics or whatever liked it and they said, and they gave it positive reviews. Whereas those critics should hold it to a higher 
standard. It mm-hmm. shouldn't just be like, well, it it was a movie. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it, like, it, it didn't... I didn't fall asleep while watching it. Like, that's... Yeah. That's almost the standard, I feel like, they have for a lot of these, these kinds of movies now. Although, yeah. you know, I mean, they destroyed Fantastic Four or whatever. They did. I mean, there's so much that goes into critiquing things because you think about, like, all of the stuff behind the scenes that sometimes nobody knows about or sometimes everybody knows about. Because mm-hmm. I think Fantastic Four had so many problems before it even left the gate mm-hmm. that people immediately dismissed it and it got negative reviews and then the other side is like the stonewall movie that just came out that got only a hundred thousand dollars in its opening week which is the lowest (laughs) ever you know not ever but very very low and it was completely you know shunned by the critics that was because of the film itself rather than the making of the film and and the difference is you know the first one was the film never got a chance to stand up and say, this is me, look at me, it was immediately dismissed. And I think that, unfortunately, that's, you know, true for every type of critique because that happens on Broadway a lot, too, with Broadway reviews. Like, a lot of times, if there's problems in the out-of-town tryouts or (laughs) Spider-Man, take that as an example, like, the amount of pain and suffering that went into that musical only like snowballed the whole reviewing process because they weren't allowed to review it until it officially made its debut. So they just extended previews for like 60 days, which is unheard of so that they could never actually review it. So people were doing all these little fake faux reviews about like unofficially going to see it and saying, this is the worst thing you've ever seen, which drove people to go see it. (laughs) So it stuck around on Broadway for a year and a half because people wanted to see the crap like that yeah. had made it to stage and I saw it twice <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's so complicated because you think of all the times where you like you you see something is really bad reviewed mm-hmm. so you go see it or you see something is so bad so you're like I'll never see that yeah and it's just, it's all so I don't, what's the word for it it's just so subjective Subjective, exactly. <laughs> it's so subjective. Yeah, Ugh. and it's, it is, and I do, I do use like reviews and Rotten Tomatoes as a guidepost. Like I don't, I'm not religious like about it. You know, it's not like oh well, it got below sixty percent. I'm not. I will never see that movie. It, like San Andreas got below sixty percent. I'm. Oh, I well, really great. enjoyed that movie, but like, you know, I it, it is a fair. It's like one indicator for how you might mm-hmm. feel about the movie, you know, and how, yeah. how much you might enjoy that movie. But it's often, it's often, it do, it might not line up with your tastes at all. Like, you know, like Age of Ultron did not line up with my tastes. Like, The Hobbit, I, that got 64%, <laughs> which I think is so generous, because mm. I thought those three movies were borderline unwatchable, like, yeah. visually disgusting to look at, like, video mm-hmm. game level of, like, yeah. just just terrible that that those cameras they used were, and just the fact that it was so unnecessarily long and filler and all that stuff like and because the movies that you would be comparing that to that the standard has been set by the Lord of the Rings trilogy mm-hmm. means that that should that movie should have gotten like zero percent it should someone should have yeah. seen that and been like unacceptable like mm-hmm. unacceptable we know what you can do 
we know what a movie set in this world looks like and should look like and can look like. And this mm-hmm. is what you gave us, like, zero <laughs> percent. <laughs> it's interesting because it just it reminded me of uh, Stick It, which was our episode mm-hmm. from last week, where we the whole it's the same thing with gymnastics like when they judge gymnastics at the olympics it's, mm-hmm. it is so unbelievably hard to to keep a critic in line because they can <laughs> they have their own opinions yeah. and they have their like just as how i am really judgy about certain people for no reason yeah. they are like that too yeah. and and they can just say whatever they want and they and they do sometimes, mm-hmm. not always. Sometimes they're very balanced. Yeah. And there's actually a really interesting graph online about, like, the top 30 critics that are used as, like, a metric in the United States from all the major newspapers mm-hmm. and how they fall on, like, in there's somebody who's, like, exactly in the middle, very, very, like, very giving to both sides of, like, you know, I understand or mm-hmm. whatever. And then there's the people at the very far ends who are, like, always Nazis about every <laughs> single thing. I think... And then there's the other end who's like, just, we love every movie. And I think that was the Florida, some Florida newspaper. (laughs) This one critic who's like, I love it. (laughs) No matter what, you can count on him. Yeah, like, I I remember reading certain, like, I think it was the critic that was in the Cincinnati paper. I think she she worked for, like, the Associated Press or something. I'm sure they just reprinted her reviews in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. But I pretty much disagreed. I think I remember disagreeing with her, like, the majority of the time like anything she wrote I'd be like wrong (laughs) like (laughs) like I totally disagree like so in a sense that's why I do like Rotten Tomatoes because it is all the critics like Mm -hmm. any review of this movie it's just like okay you know and then you end up you end up at some medium that way you know like overall they liked it overall they didn't like it and that's all it's saying Mm -hmm. it's not like it really gets a grade it like it's misleading in the way that it's presented to you know you know mm-hmm. like 80 percent or whatever it's just like did the majority of people like it or did the majority of people dislike it you know yeah like the fact that like mad max got 92 percent and inside out got 98 percent like mm-hmm. those are there's no real difference you know like they're still yeah like yeah i don't know well i found it interesting uh it was like a slideshow of all these different movies on Rotten Tomatoes that are considered, like, great movies and have not terrible, but just, like, middling reviews. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting to me because I was just sort of looking through it to get an idea. And I noticed that about 75% of those movies in that slideshow were rom-coms or directed at women. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder if all of these reviewers are men and just don't appreciate it because it's not targeted to them or or it I don't know if it's that or if it was just like you know they just don't get it maybe and so it's just automatically put in a lower category you know that's also possible so I mean I wrote all of them down but I just want to pick out a few of them and there it's so interesting because I also wrote down what they have from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes so the first one on there is The Holiday which Uh, I own I own (laughs) that movie I love that movie so that critic rating is 47%, but the audience is 80. Wow. So that's a huge gap. And the other ones are like Miss Congeniality, 42%. What? That's a class? Yeah. Yeah. And like The Notebook is only 52%. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 42 Sweet Home Alabama, 38 She's All That, 38 
the sweetest thing, 26, the wedding planner, 17%. It's like, also, Hocus Pocus, 32%. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. And then, and then I found it also goes the other way because I don't have a lot of backing for these ones, uh-huh. but Spy, Ki- Spy Kids is 93% from the critics, but it's 39% from the audience. Wow, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, and the movie Ants, which was definitely a ripoff from DreamWorks for Bugs A Bug's Life, Life is 95% from the critics and f- only 47% wow, from the audience. Wow, interesting. So it is r- just very odd to look at Rotten Tomatoes and be like, I wonder, you know, just to pick mm-hmm. out a few of your favorite movies and go, I I really, really wonder what people think of this. Well, it just crazy. it just feels like when a reviewer is sitting down and they see Miss Congeniality or whatever. It mm-hmm. would be so insane if they're thinking, like, how does this stack up against Citizen Kane? You know? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> if that's the standard of, like, either this is an Oscar-winning movie or this is garbage. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. it's yeah. ridiculous. Like, where there's no place for rom-coms for just enjoyable, fun movies. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I feel like I'm developing a different sort of standard for it. Like, it's not enough if it's, like, good or whatever. If it doesn't, if it's, if it doesn't, if it, like, does something really terrible for women or something, or if it mm-hmm. is overall, like, really misogynistic, I don't care what the rest of the quality of the film was. Like, yeah. that's just unacceptable to me. And critics don't really, that doesn't matter to them. Really? (laughs) There is, is it like a Swedish website or somebody that, and they have a rating system within their reviews. They also have like a star rating for how it portrays women. I've heard of that. I don't know where it is, but it's, it's not in America. I remember that much. And it was like, they review also, you know, American movies or whatever, Mm -hmm. English movies, but they, there's a subsection within the review of how it, how it treats women, which also reminds me of that website that's like, does the dog die? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I think would be a great model for, are the women okay? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Like, does this movie like women? You know? Yeah. <laughs> or does yeah. this movie hate women? Like, it's so, you can have so many different dimensions to the review, like, instead of just the overall, I give this five stars or whatever, overall, it could be like, you know, cinematography, like, gorgeous, like, acting, mm-hmm lovely, like, you know, like, that yeah. sort of thing, like, hates women. Like, you know, like a Woody <laughs> Allen film or something. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, my eye just was drawn to another one that I forgot to mention, which is She's the Man only has 43%. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, and so well, that makes me just think... Do we know? I don't know. I'm going to look it up you real fast. Google it. But you, okay. you stay your thought. Okay, well, I... It just ma- it re- makes me really mad because obviously these types of films, like also Newsies has 40%. Like these oh. films are intended for a young audience. And if you're an old, white, shriveled up dude <laughs> who's been reviewing movies for your whole life and most of the time you're most excited about going to like the Toronto International Film Festival and seeing all these new hot Oscar contenders and you have to go and watch She's the Man, obviously you're going to give it a really low rating. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be more interesting to have, like, I don't know, teenagers go review films that are targeted to teenagers? Right. (laughs) 
And then you're like, oh yeah, I guess my kid would like that if that kid liked that, rather than what did Ben Brantley at the New York Times think of it? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. doesn't feel like they're comparing it within its class. Although they do do that with like big action blockbusters. I feel like they only they don't say like, you know, Jurassic World like it doesn't compare to. I'm trying to think of like a really. I guess Mad Max, you know, like we could yeah. say, like they, but they were just like, it's fine, like it's an action movie. It's supposed to just dissolve on your eyes, and, and you just leave, and you forget. Yeah, the whole which thing. is, I don't believe that at right. all. <laughs> so it's like we're stuck between this whole thing of like some movies need to be held to a higher standard, and others need to be held to a different standard. It's just really mm-hmm. tough because, like, I just don't. I think it, and it feels like it's, what I'm saying is driven by my taste, you know, like my mm-hmm. resentment towards how action movies are just like, you get a pass all the time and wrong, and, and movies about, like, about and geared towards women don't. Like, I just looked up, stick it, 31%. Ugh, but users, so 73%. Yeah. What was the other one I looked up? Oh, uh, The Princess Diaries is 47%. Ugh. Yeah. It's it's so interesting. And I also... Okay, but the other side of this is I wrote down this kind of long quote, but I want to read the whole thing because okay. I think it's great. great. And it's it's from IndieWire. It was an article titled Why the Best Movies Still Get Bad Reviews and Why That's a Good Thing. So it says, Sites like Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic emphasize the mathematical side of film criticism, playing up the grades and scores critics give movies individually and collectively. I certainly understand getting excited about a movie and wanting to share it with other people. I also understand how disappointing it can be to recommend a movie you really believe in only to find out the person you recommended it to didn't end up enjoying it the same way you did. Uh, You feel let down and maybe you even question your own taste a little. Was I wrong? Is Bucky Larson not as good as I thought? But remember how we all hated math in high school? We hated it. (laughs) So why do we want to make more of it in film criticism? Does it really make that much difference if 99% of critics liked a movie instead of 100%? You know what would happen if everyone liked the movies you loved? You'd have nothing to talk about. (laughs) You couldn't debate the finer points of acting or defend that plot twist you really loved. When someone disagrees with you about a movie, especially a movie with a large critical consensus, they're doing you a favor. Don't be pissed off about it. Be excited about the opportunity to go to bat for something you love. That's what Abraham Lincoln would have done. Oh, oh, that's, that's <laughs> great. I'm so glad you read that because that is so perfect. Because I was just thinking, the other day I watched Ex Machina, which you recommended mm-hmm. to me and has a Rotten yeah. Tomatoes score of like 92% or something. Yeah. And I did not care for it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it bothered me. And I thought... I thought the show Humans did the idea so much better. And I thought for a movie that's supposed to be about her, it wasn't. She she was not the focus of that movie at all. I don't think she was, no. I don't think she was. Because I read all these reviews where they were just like, she steals the show, this isn't her star-making performance. So I was like going into it thinking like, we're going to see her acting a lot. It's going to be about her. Mm -hmm. Not about her at all. And... Ugh, and I don't know why he had to do an American accent, whatever. But <laughs> it just wasn't that interesting to me. Yeah. It, I think it's, it is so interesting because you, 
when you personally review something, you take into it what you've already have consumed. Right. So, like, when we watch Doctor Who and we sit around afterwards and complain about it uh-huh. for an hour, it's on the back of seeing previous seasons of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. If you came into Doctor Who now and started watching with just this Doctor, you would have no frame of reference for any of these types of comparisons. Yeah. So you'd be like, this is okay, or I love it, or whatever. And it's the same thing, it must be the same thing with official critics. Mm-hmm. Because they have seen every movie, right. so they think, you know, oh, Thor, the Dark World is not as good as Thor, the first one. Or, oh, I don't like this because this director also directed this other thing. Or, like, I just finished watch, binge-watching it in two days, all of Pushing Daisies, which is a little <laughs> insane. But uh, that was made by the same guy that did Dead Like Me. Yeah. And it's so clear to me when I read on IMDb that that idea for that show was a rejected plot idea for an episode of Dead Like Me because it is so clearly tied together. Yeah. And I loved both of them. But it could go the other way. You could be like, I hated that. Mm-hmm. I loved Dead Like Me, but Pushing Daisies was not as good. Or there's... It's just... There's a bounty out there of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you just have to accept it. Yeah, and I I feel weird sometimes talking about certain things because I haven't seen all the movies. I haven't seen all the shows, but, like, I've read about them. And yeah. sometimes I find myself using that and, like, talking about something I've never seen before. Being like, mm-hmm. I heard it has these issues or whatever. And yeah. Ugh, that feels so douchey, but at the same time, there's no way anyone could really have seen every single movie or every Everything. single TV show ever made, you know? Yeah. And and, yeah, and remember I... them. <laughs> That's so true. And I, I... Do we want to take this opportunity to, like, publicly confess to something where we, like, we don't actually watch that show, we've just formed opinions, opinions on it, and we hate it with no reason. Because I'm trying to think if I... I definitely do that. I can't think of any shows oh, that I've... I have one. Like, <laughs> okay, go for it. Big Bang Theory. Oh, I've never seen yes. an episode of it, but in my mind, I hate it. In my mind, yeah. I'm offended by the idea of it. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I've read so much about it. I have, seen it. I have seen some clips, and I've just read a bunch of, about what people have said about it. And that's it. Like, but I because I know all that. I don't think I'm ever going to sit down and be like, let me give this a try. You know, I bet yeah. I'm, I might be wrong. It's so popular. Yeah, I have seen episodes of Big Bang Theory, and although I do know all the issues with it, and I and all that, I, there are episodes that make me laugh. Like, there's a whole storyline that I loved, and I never, I didn't watch it. I never watched it officially. I would watch it when I was with family or whatever. And I liked it, you know? It, but it, I I do definitely bring that whole thing into it where people can definitely warp your opinion of a show. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we've t- definitely talked about this before, but, like, the fandom itself mm-hmm. for certain shows can also turn you off to things. And I think that's, all, that's just a different version of criticism. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're paid by the newspaper to right. be critics. But people that are quote-unquote fans of a show who just spend the whole time hating it, which we do a little bit with Dr. Yeah. Hill <laughs> now. Um, you know, that's a, def- that's a different form of criticism, but it's still just as valid because they're your peers, which mm-hmm. even it can be more striking when you're mm-hmm. taking in reviews of a show. So that's sort of how I fell out of love with Glee because I was like, wait a minute, all these people on Tumblr have all of these opinions yeah. about Glee. 
let me listen. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the end of Glee for me. And mm-hmm. it's starting to be the end of Sherlock for me as well, because there's no show in between these giant gaps to like fill the noise. Right. So it's just a lot of people critiquing not only the show, but the show runners, mm-hmm. the actors, like the whole process. And I find our, we, we can, we can start to like double down on our hatred for a show too, because it can be so overrated because like game of Thrones, for instance, like, People yeah. still insisting that it's the greatest show or whatever, and it wins Emmys um, mm-hmm. and things like that. And because we see that and it doesn't match with our perception of the show, it can cause us to double down on our hatred for it and be like, no, I insist that it's a garbage show. <laughs> it's just like a deeply problematic show that is no longer enjoyable to watch for us. But yeah, it's but maybe I hate it even more now because no one else is agreeing with me. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. It's so, so true. It's so, it's so human. Like the idea that any of these critics are just infallible robots who look at a movie, assess it for quality and their, and their opinion is fact or just the critic community. In fact, like who, how do we get these critics? And did, I think there was a study recently that was like, the critics are overwhelmingly white males for like mm-hmm. all of the pop culture critics. And it's getting better. I feel like because everyone has a platform now, everyone has a blog, everyone can, yeah. can write on another blog and stuff that if you want to, if I want to read like a review of a lesbian movie on a lesbian site, that's like mm-hmm. very easy to do. You know, there's right now on after Ellen, there's, there's one writer who I love. She's, going back and reviewing like classic lesbian movies which are not not even good by lesbian standards but like yeah. <laughs> maybe we secretly love them or like why are they so garbage and she writes these amazing reviews and at the end she'll like have this instead of like overall five stars or whatever she'll be like how many sex scenes were in this movie were they any good like yeah like do any lesbians die in this movie sort of thing. Like, there's just, like, a she does, like, five or so little things at the end where it's, like, this mm-hmm. is how we compare this movie and this is how we compare it to the other, you know, yeah. lesbian movies because it's a... So it is it is really nice to, to have, like, more niche places. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. And I also think that sort of ties into, like, the recaps that are so popular mm-hmm. and have been for a long time, like, what was that website that Stephen Thompson used to write for? I forget what it is. He wrote it was, for The Onion, like, but Linda wrote for TV Without Oh, that's right. That's right. And it was just like, that's been around forever. And I never really read recaps until recently, because you, you sent me the 100 one, mm-hmm. which I... Yeah, and I went back and I read all of them, because I was like, these are great. And the idea that instead of listening to a critic sort of poo-pooing something you like, going back and reading fun reviews mm-hmm. of things that you have already consumed can be more fulfilling mm-hmm. because you're not, you're not sitting there. Be, it's, it's sort of like when you read a review of something you enjoy and they don't, it's sort of like somebody telling you that your feelings aren't valid. Right. And you of course are like allowed to like bad movies and bad TV shows. Like I like the wedding date that movie that has ten percent on. Did Rotten I tell Tomatoes. you that Julie and I watched that? No, did you like we it? We liked it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, jo- yeah. welcome to the club of sixty-seven percent of viewers on Rotten Tomatoes oh, that did like it. Okay. <laughs> well, well, speaking of uh, like reviews of shows and stuff, like ninety percent of the reason why I'm still watching Once Upon a Time is because there is a recapper 
on TV.com mm -hmm. who has the most hysterical spot on recaps where it's like she's in the same boat as us where like this show is utter garbage but she writes exactly why it is and like and you're like yeah. yes that's exactly what it is that she's like and so she's like we're watching the show because and she like writes out a couple reasons why we're still watching the show and you're like yes you know like i'm still in <laughs> your recaps you know like that sort of thing yeah. and, and and there's a there's a recap where i've been following for like years who she would actually break down like skins episodes she would break down glee episodes like you should read her glee recap sometime because they're so she's just like she talks about how like painful it was to like be treated that way by these showrunners or whatever mm -hmm. to be like mm -hmm. called the lesbian blogger community or whatever on glee and and to be insulted like that and that sort of thing and how the show can keep doing amazing things every so often and so when they do horrible things it's so much worse you know like that sort of yeah. thing she just writes she would just write these beautiful recaps and i think that's such an interesting and more and more interesting to me form of criticism where it's like let me talk about what was wrong with this and why i should you should be upset about it or why it doesn't matter you know sort of thing mm -hmm. yeah like yeah because getting women wrong versus like that was technically inaccurate about how the brain works or whatever one is yeah. a little more offensive and a little more influential in the zeitgeist or whatever you know mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that leads in very well to the idea that you have, which I'm going to make public, so you definitely have to do it now. I don't think we've talked about it yet no, on air. Uh, you, I officially have stopped watching Arrow, mm -hmm. and you have graciously volunteered to write reviews of Arrow yes. for me. It starts next so, week, and I'm terrified, because I've never written a recap of a show before, and I, I don't know what this is going to be like. I can't wait. So I'll will there be, <laughs> will there be photo pieces in the middle of the recap where it's just gonna be all words? I have to know. Oh, there should be photos. I'll yeah. You should just screen, I can do that. screen grab a couple things. Yeah, I'll if screen it's grab insane. some good things. Yeah. I mean, the best ones though, the best ones are where it's like they screen grab this crazy facial expression on someone, and then they have these yep. like fake dialogue on there. I just don't. I'll, I I'm interested to see what I come up with and if it's funny or interesting at all like well, I'm so worried that it's just going to be boring I think sending it to me via our blondes with glasses podcast.tumblr.com <laughs> will be great because not only will I get to read it but everybody in the world will get to read it if they want and you are a critic just like everyone else and I think we all are just waiting on the edge of our seat for your critiques so mm. I hope that it's on line so we can all get to it because I know you'll have more than one reader and I'm very excited. I'm more excited about this than I have been about any show this season. <laughs> oh. I'm so excited. I, I am interested. I mean, I'll be, I have to like take notes during the episode and stuff like that. Whereas mm -hmm. before I think I just played Candy Crush while I watched the show. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't want to oh, pay attention. I'm, I'm very excited. Well, yeah. if you decide to stop watching some other show, I will fall on the sword and do it as well okay, maybe okay, i don't know okay interesting but let's see how your attempt goes first i'm very excited okay yeah i'm, I'm yeah. excited too speaking of other things i want to get into i was thinking i wanted to <laughs> i wanted to float this idea past you not while we were recording but now that we are <laughs> <laughs> it's I was too late <laughs> wonder, i'm gonna put you on the spot because we're recording but 
I was wondering if I could have like a little because I was talking about how I always want to talk about women's soccer and no one will listen to me because <laughs> why would they? But I was wondering if I could have like a little woso corner on each episode where I spend like two or three minutes just like giving you the news and what I think about it. Sure, that sounds great to me because I have something to contribute okay. for this week if if we do it in this episode. Yes. I can wait until next week. No, no, let's do it this episode because I have some okay. crazy news that just happened this morning. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Okay, well, first of all, I have a question about this corner, which is, is there an off-season? Does that make a difference? It do, If there is an off-season, it won't make a difference. I will okay. be talking when about is the off this. <laughs> the, tomorrow night is the final for the NWSL. That's the, the championship is tomorrow night. So that's the end mm-hmm. of the season for that. But okay. the international team, the national team, they're still playing friendlies. Plus, they're picking people for, um, they have to qualify for the Olympics, and they have to figure out who their roster is going to be for the Olympics. And it's very dramatic. And in the off season with... NWSL coaches are leaving, new coaches mm-hmm. are coming in, and I don't a new team might be coming in. Yeah, but that's Ooh, okay. Yeah, so there's okay. like, all this like crazy drama, and I just I think it's so exciting and interesting, and I'm just I need to tell someone about it. <laughs> okay, you can tell us. You can tell us. <laughs> uh, well, the only thing I have to say is I was walking around town yesterday. Uh, when I was getting my new SIM card for my phone, and I saw the new FIFA game here mm-hmm. does not have a woman on the cover what? like it does in the U.S. It's two men, one in a white jersey and one in a red jersey. I think the jer- red jersey is a British guy. Wow. So I was just wondering if it's like in each country they have a somebody with, from within your country. Well, I think I do know it varies. Like I know that in Canada, Christine Sinclair is on the cover. Oh, and I okay. I want to say in Brazil and like. I think Latin America in general, I think Marta is on the cover. I could just be making this up entirely, but I think that's what it is. There's no Irish national team at that level, so I guess that's why maybe they don't have a woman. They haven't haven't made it to a World Cup stage, but they're they're getting close. But but they're not one of the teams in the game. Yeah. But the English team is... Well, we're in Ireland. <laughs> I'm so. so sorry. So, buzz off. Well, <laughs> well, since you guys are on the Euro, it should have at least gotten whatever Europe, whatever woman they have. You know, if they have someone from Germany or France or something. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Maybe only a couple countries were like, fine, we'll have women. <laughs> okay, in less than two minutes, tell me all the big news. Okay. That's your limit. I'm just going to tell you the biggest news today is that my Mm -hmm. team, the Spirit, who their head coach slash general manager, he was both of these things, he just got poached by another team, and he's leaving. And he's great. Like, he's a good coach and general manager. Everyone likes him, and everyone's saying, like, he's brilliant. They're like, he's got a really great mind for soccer. Like, and with this team, like, he's really building something. And... Portland, literally the most despised team in the league, (laughs) mostly out of jealousy because they have the most fans and they have so many superstars, but the problem is they can't Mm -hmm. do anything with them, like, they don't have any chemistry with each other, so they have all of these huge names there. So they fired their coach, like, a couple weeks ago, and it Mm -hmm. was just announced today, 
that our coach is leaving, and the word on the street is that he's going to Portland. Oof. Ugh. Ouch. Yeah. What a sucker punch to the gut. Just but you did it within two minutes. Yep. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Good job. All right. Do you have a recommendation for me? I do. And I told you about it before, a couple days ago. But, um... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, via text. But I just watched, um, finally. I feel like I should have watched this years ago. But this film is not yet rated. Um, oh, yeah. Which came out in that. 2006. And it's amazing how dated it looks. Like, because... In the movie, they hire a private investigator to find out who the members of the MPAA are, because it's completely secret and not transparent and insane. And they, like, have, like, landlines, and they're literally (laughs) opening up a phone book. It's great. Um, (laughs) But it's so fascinating, and I'm sure you've heard, like, what the film has revealed, like, you've heard a lot of stuff they've talked about, how, like, women's pleasure versus, like, violence against women, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of ratings yeah. and stuff, and how conservative it can be. And it's just a fascinating film, and, and so you, you should check it out. This film is not yet rated. It's great. Cool. I definitely will do that. Ironically, it's, like, well, impossible to find. <laughs> I'm, like, it didn't get it. I'm assuming it has a terrible distribution deal because it wasn't rated. Because of that. Yeah. So. That's true. I bet it. I bet that is very true. <laughs> um, okay, so mine is a podcast, uh, which was recommended to me by Perry, uh, our mutual friend. It's called Mystery Show. I don't know if you've ever listened to it. <laughs> Okay, great. Because I, you listen to way more podcasts than I do now, so I was worried that you would already listen to all of it. There's only like six episodes, I think, so far. Um, it's by Starly Kine from... I think she's worked at NPR. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I definitely... Or, uh, or like This American Life, maybe. Yeah. Because I definitely know her name. Yes. Um, so, so she has this solo show that she does, which is she is contacted by a friend or some or somebody, and... She will unravel a mystery for them. Like, they have something that has been bothering them their whole life. And huh. she's like, all right, let me uh, let me figure it out for you. And so it's just one episode per mystery. And sometimes they're, like, 20 minutes. Sometimes they're an hour. And apparently there's an amazing one I haven't gotten to yet, which involves Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm excited about that one. But I do have to say they're all great. But the one I've enjoyed the most so far is called Brittany. And it's about... Uh, this woman who's an author and there's a picture that somebody shows her of Britney Spears holding her book which was like a complete failure and didn't sell at all and so she wants to know if Britney Spears liked her book (laughs) and and like how she got a copy of her book so it's really interesting because she follows like this whole she just like tries all these different avenues to like you know, unravel all these really weird mysteries and they're always different and really, it's just, it's really cute. And I think you'll enjoy it. That sounds amazing. Like that sounds like my dream life. Honestly, I love solving mysteries. Yeah. And it's also great because she's so extroverted as like a person. So when she calls up like customer service, there will be like 10 minutes of the podcast that will be her discussing the person on the other side of the phone's like goals or hopes and dreams. So (laughs) I feel like every single episode has, like, a very long stretch of time where she's, like, discussing, like, the life of this other person that has, like, a very minor thing to do with the story, Uh but it's, like, 
oh yeah, my parents won the lottery and I'd love to use the money, but I'm not going to because I want to make my own way on my trip to Europe. And she's like, that's amazing. Just like, tell me more about it. You just get swept into everything she talks about. It's great. So I would definitely recommend it. It's called Mystery Show. That sounds great. Yeah. Can I just say that pilot season is so fun for my fun game that I'm playing with myself, which is guess where the actors are originally from. Oh. I don't see this so fun. I was watching Blind Spot the other day and I was like I just finished watching that. And I was yes. like, his American accent sounds really good, but for some reason I want to say he's Australian. And I looked it up, he's from Australia. How dare you ruin that for me? And, because now I'll never know uh, not know that. And, but his American accent is amazing and I started thinking, I was like, Australians do the best American accent. Mm-hmm. Like they really do. Well, and they fool me the most. The English are terrible. Like, the, the woman in the show who, the like, the director lady of the FBI or whatever her role is, she has yeah. a terrible American accent, to my mind. And I was like, wait, I've seen her in Broadchurch. Like, <laughs> oh, is that what she's in? Yeah, she was in Broadchurch. Wait. She, like, she's, she shows up in a lot of British shows and, like, I feel like she's always, uh, like, a lawyer or something. I knew I knew her, but I didn't know from what. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. I oh, love okay. having IMDb on hand when I'm watching all these new shows because... I just, I love that moment where I'm like, sound, sounds uh, Australian. And I look it up and I'm like, <laughs> yes, I nailed it. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you have a specialty now because yes. that is something not everybody can do. Uh, I do want to go back to Blind Spot for a minute. Just, I just want to say the guy, the dude, Australian guy, yeah. every time he's in profile, he looks like Paul Walker to me uh, from Furious 7. And it makes me so upset. And uh, I just wanted to say that, <laughs> just throw it out there. So now I'm not alone. <laughs> When I think that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm excited. I think we should do a review of uh, pilot season I next, was, probably next that's month. That's great. I was just about to say that. I was like, we should, I guess pilot season... Definitely goes through October because Supergirl doesn't come on until October. End of October. End of October. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then we'll have like a I, recap show where we'll say like, like, I've already, I watched two episodes of Minority Report and I've given up. I will save oh, all really? my thoughts and opinions for our pilot review show. Great. I can't wait. <laughs> I cannot wait. I'm excited. Okay. Um, so what does Zach have to tell us today? Oh, let me pull it up. And, uh, yeah. Just... This has turned into a long episode, and I'm going to blame it on your little U.S. Women's National Team corner, but oh. it's not true. <laughs> wow. <laughs> not because we decided to tell a lot of personal stories and get really into this. No, no, no. no, not, no. not because of that. Yeah, and we would never want our show to be long so that we could listen to it and enjoy it. Yeah, so. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> hey, Rebecca, it's Zach. I just wanted to tell you about a business that I actually inherited from my father. It's uh, fruit scavenging. So what we do is we go to a bunch of, like, orchards and stuff after the season's done and scavenge for fruit. It's really difficult. A lot of heavy lifting, a lot of demanding physical labor, but it's a lot easier when the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> it's a lot easier. Pretty sweet. Oh my god! Thank you, Zach. Okay. <laughs> Hope everything's cool. Bye. <laughs> he says so much after the plot. I don't even know. I know. Oh boy. Uh, anyway, I love him. I love it. I'm glad we have him back in our lives because it feels yes. like there's been a little bit of a drought with puns, yes. and I can't handle that. I need puns in my yes. life, so thank you, Zach. Thanks, Zach. 